Hi, everyone. I am so excited to be here with you all today for the inaugural episode of our podcast, Behind the Visa Window with Ex-Visa Officers. My name is Mandy Fierbacher, and this is my colleague, Ben Arterburn. And we started this podcast mainly because when we were ex-visa officers with the U.S. Department of State, I don't know about you, Ben, but I just felt like there were so many things that were misunderstood about the U.S. visa process and things that you could not possibly know unless you were actually a visa officer working behind that glass. And one of the reasons why um, I wanted to do this with you is because I felt like there are so many insights we gleaned with our years working with the State Department at U.S. embassies and consulates around the world. And, um, and seeing what some people went through during that process uh, made me really want to help uh, visa applicants and international citizens um, because it is a very opaque process. It's difficult to understand. Um, and you know we kind of bring a unique perspective given our uh, work experience. Oh yeah, it's definitely a black box. You know, the embassy's there. Um, and they think they've given all the information to the visa applicants that they need in order to apply for their visa, but they haven't. You know, there's an there's a environment of misinformation. There's visa agents, there's people online, there's your friends, there's your family who have applied for visas and things have gone well, or maybe they've gone wrong. Um, and everyone's reading the tea leaves, trying to figure out what's actually going on, and, and no one really knows. Um, that's why we wanted to do this. We want to shed light on that, on what's actually going on inside why are people getting their visas refused, right? Uh, unnecessarily, you know, two people who have the same experience. They went to school together, they studied together, they got into the same university, they've applied for the same majors, they're gonna study in the US at the same university. One gets approved, one gets denied. And no one knows why. But we've got that insight. I don't, Mandy, how many visa interviews did you do while you are in? So I have interviewed probably over 100,000 visa applicants wow. and it was a lot of time talking to people, talking to people from all different walks of life who had different motivations going to the United States. And unfortunately, every single visa interview uh, was very short. And so I didn't have a whole lot of time to talk to each person, uh, but I do have a lot of experience in knowing what visa officers look for, um, you know, what kinds of questions we ask and exactly what is our culture? Because I don't know if you feel like this, Ben, but I honestly feel like visa officers or consular officers, as we're called, have our own culture in how we make these decisions and why we think about things a certain way. What do you think? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, it's not all written down in the law, right? There's the, there's the legal requirements to get your visa. And the immigration attorneys know those requirements inside and out, you know, that's their profession. But then once the visa applicant, visa applicant goes into the visa interview and is standing there with the glass between them and the visa officer, all of it just decide, is decided upon the mentality of that visa officer right then and there, right? Um, they have to overcome 214B as they say, right? And that mm -hmm. just is in the feelings, in the, in, the, in, the, in the judgment of that visa officer. And I know for me, this, uh, this idea of wanting to help visa, visa applicants was born when one of my very good friends applied for a visa. And because, you know, there's a there's really strict ethics rules for the visa officers. You can't, you can't help people on the outside while you're working as a visa officer. I told my friend that I couldn't help them. 
But I said, you're, gonna, you're not gonna have any problems. Just go through it on your own. Apply, it'll be fine. And she got refused. And I had no idea why. I said, this is a mistake. Go ahead and apply again. I didn't help her, you know, abiding by our strict ethics. I said, just go ahead and apply again. She applied again and she got refused again. And I realized that this system is imperfect. Nobody knows what's going on on the outside. And now I'm grateful that we have the opportunity and that we're starting this platform to try to shed some light on this. Um, Absolutely. I guess I'll go ahead and introduce myself a little bit, you know, what my background was. Uh, I started with the State Department in 2012 and I was a visa officer in Guangzhou, China. Uh, I had a background in China before that. I'd lived in China for about five or six years uh, studying and then working. Um, and also had a degree in Chinese studies. So that was kind of my bread and butter. So I did two years of visas in Guangzhou where I did uh, non-immigrant visas and also immigrant visas. Uh, I also did American Citizen Services, which is another aspect of the consular work abroad, but that, that's for a different podcast. Um, and then after that, I was sent to Bogota, Colombia, um, where I also did non-immigrant visas, but also I worked in the fraud prevention unit, which is the unit where if someone is suspected of committing fraud, their case is referred over and we investigate it, right? So we had a, you know, a team of investigators and we looked into this and I found you know, a lot of times there is fraud, right? That's why the visa officers do have their, their radars turned on is because some people are committing fraud, telling lies in order to get past the visa officers and make it to the United States. But also in that role, I found that sometimes people seemed like you know, something was off, but then after an investigation, there was nothing wrong. Luckily, those cases had been referred to us and we could do an investigation and prove that they were actually legitimate in their study plan, in their tourism plan or business plan. But in other instances, the officers at the window would never have referred those cases to us and they would have just referred them, they would have re refused them outright. So, you know, knowing how that works is really, you know, an important thing. My final job in the State Department was as the spokesperson and press secretary at the U.S. Consulate in Shanghai. And I resigned from the State Department in 2018. And ever since then, I've been helping visa applicants get their visas. That's great, Ben. And, you know, similarly, you and I actually have a lot in common because we have this China experience. Um, I am also a former visa officer, uh, just like yourself. And interestingly enough, my visa experience started when I was very young. So I am an immigrant myself. I was actually born in Shanghai, China, where you ended your career with the State Department. And I went to my visa interview at the age of seven in, at the U.S. consulate in Shanghai. Um, this would have been the old consulate, though. So I don't think that was the one where you were working. Uh, but it was a really eye-opening experience for me as a seven-year-old child. I remember going into the consulate and just thinking, gosh, like this is crazy that this person who, you know, this white man with very long hair, by the way, <laughs> he seemed kind of like a hippie, could mm -hmm. speak Chinese and ask me questions. And he asked me why I wanted to go to the United States. Um, the reason was that my dad was over in South Carolina getting his master's degree and we wanted to join him. And it was actually a very pleasant experience. Um, and so it's been really interesting for me to come full circle back to, um, you know, representing the United States overseas as a U.S. diplomat, um, something I'm very proud of. Uh, and uh, before I became a U.S. diplomat, I was a litigation attorney in Los Angeles. 
and then decided to join the State Department along with my husband. And so my first tour was at a visa officer uh, at the U.S. Embassy in Beijing, China, where we were extremely, extremely busy. Um, I don't know if, you know, actually, I'm sure that was your experience as well in Guangzhou, China, but all of the posts in China are extremely busy and we call ourselves visa mills. It's not like a great, you know, term because it just showcased how busy we were. But I remember at the embassy in Beijing, regularly on a daily basis, about 4,400 people would come through our waiting room and every single person needed to be interviewed. And um, at the embassy in Beijing, China, I worked as the revocation officer, which meant that um, for all the petition-based visas, like H-1B visas uh, for highly skilled workers and L visas for managerial executives and uh, uh, specialized knowledge executives, uh, I would, if, if there was any reason that they did not qualify for their visas, uh, it would be referred to fraud, which where you've done, you know, a, uh, a rotation. And then it would eventually make its way to me as the revocation officer to write uh, revocation memos that I would then send back to USCIS uh, uh, to uh, revoke the visa, revoke the petition. And so that was really interesting for me. And I did my next tour. Um, at a border town called Matamoros, Mexico. So that was at, at the US consulate in Mexico where I worked um, again in non-immigrant visas, but I also spent a year working in American citizen services on US passport issues. And I spent my final two years at the US consulate in Hong Kong, uh, which was great because not only did I get to do a year of non-immigrant visas, but I also spent some time managing the immigrant visa and green card unit. Um, so I think between the two of us, we have probably seen every type of visa there is. What do you think? I'm pretty sure that's true. And you said you've done over 100,000 and I've done over 60,000 in my career as well. So that's, uh, that's quite a few visas. That's quite a few uh, visas issued and also visas refused. Um, so, you know, we've, we've seen the whole gamut um, in, in China, in Latin America, um, there's a there's a whole lot of variety in these, but then you've done that many of them, and you've seen um, you know the the wide swath of experiences that people have when they're applying for for visas, um, what can happen when they go in, why people get refused, why people get issued, you know. And after doing it for so many years, I don't know if you're familiar. We haven't. I don't know if we've talked about this. The uh, Malcolm Gladwell's ten thousand hour rule. Mm. Um, he basically talks about you know to to arrive at expertise or mastery of anything, you need to spend 10,000 hours doing it. And he talks about people, you know, like, uh, you know, Beethoven and Mozart and these virtuosos and how at a young age, they arrived at 10,000 hours of, you know, at, at the piano before they become a, an expert at it or a master at it, not a, past a, an expert, but a, at a master level. And uh, I added up how many hours um, I had done doing visas and it's pushing 10,000 hours. So, you know, um, I don't want to toot our own horns too much, but we definitely are, um, we, we have a very specialized skill set that we have become masters of throughout the course of our careers. Yeah, I definitely think that we are subject matter experts in what we do. Um, I honestly feel like 
you know, with my seven years at the department, um, all of it doing visas, you actually had some work outside of the consular section, but for me, it was all in visas. I felt like during that time, I just kind of lived and breathed visas. And so it's really interesting that you and I are doing visa consulting work now uh, with Argo, because, you know, the really interesting thing to me is at the time we were visa officers, we had just a few minutes with each person and we had a lot of additional questions that we couldn't answer. Sometimes we weren't sure exactly what was going on, but it's amazing to have more time now understanding the background of people's situations and also understanding you know, when people get refused, oh, that officer didn't have time to fully understand this person's situation. And when we have that extra time with them to really realize <laughs> how useful it is, um, because it's really hard to really understand somebody's situation in two minutes. I mean, how many, how many interviews would you say you did every day? Oh, it, it depended. But one day, I think that the max number of in-person face-to-face interviews that I did was 280. Oh my gosh. Okay. I think that might have topped even my experience because I think I maybe did 225 one day. Yeah. We were doing, uh, you know, the normal around the world, the the standard is four hours of doing these these visa interviews each day. And then, you know, when it's really busy, sometimes they might up to five or even six. Uh, During the height of, of the visas that we were processing when I was in Guangzhou, we were doing visa interviews eight hours a day for some weeks. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was intense and you can only devote a certain amount of time to each one. You're under a lot of pressure as a visa officer to issue or refuse those visas quickly, right? You get limited information. You see the DS-160, the application form. You get to talk to the applicant for a little bit of time. You need to write some notes in the system and hit issue or hit refuse, right? And the boss is staring over your shoulder saying, go, go, move them through, move them through. Some people are bold. Some people are conservative right? Really cautious. They really don't want to issue a visa to someone. And then it turned out that they use the visa wrong. Other people like you and me really want to make sure that people who deserve to get the visa don't get refused unnecessarily, right? Um, but really, it's just all up to the discretion of that one officer. They, they get broad authority to make whatever decision they want in that moment. And that's final. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, And I remember hearing about this doctrine of consular non-reviewability as it is known legally Mm -hmm. and seeing it in practice is really interesting to me because, you know, and I I speak to people all the time, different audiences about the visa process and helping them understand that, um, you know, not even our supervisors, our consular managers could really overturn our decisions on the cases where we were interviewing. you know, was that surprising to you? Uh, you know, what are some things that surprised you about your time, you know, behind that visa I, window? I think that at the beginning, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised, surprised at the beginning, right? I came in, everything was new. It was just learning a new job. And it took a little while, maybe six months before I realized the real human impact that the job had, right? You come in and you're learning this new job. Your colleagues are trying to teach you things. You're, you know, you're learning this new computer system. You're trying to, you're trying to, to, to do these interviews within the time constraint. And, you know, you get better at it. You get more smooth with it. Um, you know, the, the, the computer system becomes more familiar and then it starts to sink in. Oh, these are, these are the lives of people that I'm affecting with these decisions, right? When I, when I issue someone's student visa, 
That's their plan for the next four years. It's gonna determine the path that their life takes. And if I say no to that student visa, their life's gonna take a completely separate path, right? So it's really a huge impact on, on people's lives that that, that two minutes at, at a visa interview can, can determine. Um, which is why we wanna do this podcast, right, Mandy? Like we're starting this podcast because it's not been done before. There, there are a limited number of people probably in the, it's more than the hundreds, but in the low thousands of people who have, who have done visa interviews, um, who know what's going on behind the visa window. We're two of them who, uh, who have left the State Department and many people, most people stay in the State Department once they've begun their careers there. There's a very low attrition rate. So the number of people who were on the inside and are now on the outside and are willing to help is very low but it's such valuable information. So that's why we wanna start this podcast. We want to bring this information to light, bring it to you, the listeners, whoever you may be. Um, if you are uh, someone who's applying for a visa and is worried about what's going to happen during that interview, if you've got a family member who's been refused abroad and you don't know why they've been refused, if you're an immigration attorney who's got clients who are running into problems during their visa stamping and you don't know why because it's they go in there and it's a black box they come out with a refusal slip and no explanation you know Mandy you're as an immigration attorney I'm sure I'm sure you've run into that a lot yeah absolutely and I think visa applicants sometimes just get into this difficult place where sometimes immigration attorneys are not really able to help them through this process because it is something that you have to go into alone. You cannot bring your attorney, you cannot bring your parents, you can't even bring a friend. You know, this is just something that you have to face on your own. So really the only people who know what happens uh, are the visa officer and the visa applicant. And the visa applicant generally only go through this once or just a few times in their lives, hopefully uh, you know, fewer rather than more. And then it's the visa officer who does this day in and day out. So I feel like we have sort of aggregated this amount of expertise just based on the sheer volume of cases that we've seen, the people that we have talked to, the internal meetings that we have had week after week to make sure that our standards are consistent. And these are all things that we hope to share with you, our audience, uh, in the weeks and months to come as we you know, embark on this new podcast adventure. And you know, Ben, I feel like you and I, we are very much in sync in terms of our goals to help international citizens, help them prepare for this very important process. And we have also seen the ramifications of what happens when you don't take it seriously, or you're not prepared, or you think it really is just a visa stamp. I think it's funny that they call it visa stamping because it is anything but a rubber stamp. Um, you know, anything that is slightly unique about your situation could become a liability could seem you know to suggest to the officer that your uh, intentions are different than what you're saying and so you never really know what you're conveying unless you really prepare with somebody who knows um, exactly what this process entails yeah well many i think now is a good time for you to introduce argo visa to our audience, and then I'll let them know afterwards how, how they can contact us. Thanks so much, Ben. So Argo Visa is really a labor of love and dedication uh, to this thing that we call legitimate visa consulting. We are the first company in the world made up entirely of former visa officers who have worked with the US Department of State 
Uh, I believe all of our Argo officers have interviewed at least 10,000 visa applicants. And so together we have made decisions on over 1 million cases. Um, so it still blows my mind, uh, you know, how much experience we have. And so currently we have 25 ex-visa officers who have worked all over the world, uh, from China to India, to Mexico, to Brazil, to Canada. I mean, we have worked in 34 countries. We speak 14 different languages. And I actually counted up all of our years of experience once. And I think we have something like nine decades of experience if you were to add it all together. Wow. Um, and you can find out more information about us at www.argovisa.com and you know, follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, on LinkedIn. We're always putting out new insights on the visa interview process. And uh, one more stat that I, I know that you like, Mandy, is that in total, all of our officers have adjudicated over 1 million visas over the course of their careers. So that's, uh, that's a lot of experience. Um, and so over the course of this podcast, we want to invite you to write to us with your experiences, your questions, your doubts, your concerns, um, what, you, what you want to know about the visa process and your personal experiences with it. Write to us at hello at argovisa.com. And uh, each week we'll be talking about some of the, uh, the questions and the concerns that come into us. And because we've got uh, you know, this, um, this great group of former consular officers that we work with, you know, we'll bring them on when they have particular expertise in the country where you come from or with the visa type that you're applying for. And we'll bring them on and we'll have a conversation and you know, talk through the entire, uh, the entire process. I'm really looking forward to it, Ben. I think it's going to be so much fun and it always is. And we really know that we're making a difference in the lives of our clients and in international citizens. Oh, 100%. Well, thanks so much, Ben. I guess um, I hope you guys will uh, hit subscribe and follow us. And we look forward to hearing from you soon. Yep. We'll see you next time.